God has decreed and is doing a new thing in this last hour. God has decreed the restoration of the apostolic anointing and function within the church that Jesus is building. The apostolic office or function is being restored. He who proposes to stop the working of the Lord Almighty engages in vanity and chasing after the wind. The word of the Lord is law. The thing that he decrees cannot return unto him void without accomplishing the purpose for which it is sent. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Apostles and Prophets are the master builders or general contractors of the house of God, the church Jesus is building. They are the foundation layers. As an apostle, Paul stated to the Corinthian church, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, a primary biblical definition of what an apostle is, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. So we see that apostles are foundation layers. That is why the apostolic ministry function must always come first in order and rank, because they lay the foundation, and the building is built on the foundation. The foundation is subterranean, underground, and is the substruction of the building that is unseen once the building is built. Nevertheless, it is the foundation that undergirds or supports the building. The foundation is the government of the building. It determines the extent and the expanse of the building. In addition to being foundation layers, they themselves, that is the office or ministry function apostles and prophets occupy and operate out of, form the tripartite foundation of the church at large, as well as local churches under this fivefold ministry paradigm. 1 Corinthians 3.11 declares that no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Prima facie and standing alone, 
precisely as many fundamentalist theologians of the past have construed it. This verse appears to be saying that Jesus Christ himself and he alone is the entire foundation of the church. However, Ephesians 2.20 further defines the foundation of God's household as the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, which, juxtaposed with the 1 Corinthians 3.11 text, made these two verses appear to be conflicting when regarded as it has been by the fundamentalist theological interpretation. So we see that Jesus, the head of the church, has so closely associated and identified himself with the ministry giftings and offices of apostle and prophet that the three of them together form a spiritual triumvirate through whom Jesus is building his church. Psalms 127 verse 1, a familiar passage to many, says, unless the Lord builds the house, that means his way, they labor in vain who build it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, says the Lord in Scripture. Ephesians 4 Bible College offers 300 cutting-edge, customized, online degree and certificate programs to help you meet that biblical exhortation. Competitive, affordable, pay-as-you-go tuition rates. Learn more at Ephesians4.net. The way the Lord has chosen to build His house or building, that is, the ecclesia, is through the functioning of apostles and prophets as the preeminent builders and overseers of the building process. God is the builder and the architect of the heavenly city, Mount Zion, the church. As the builder and architect, it is God who has drawn up the blueprint or pattern. And he has chosen to entrust the blueprint, and the building of the building of God to the stewardship of apostles and prophets. Moreover, it is God who issues the building permits, Hebrews 6.3. So again, unless the Lord builds the house His way, they labor in vain who build it. Moreover, speaking in His capacity as an apostle, or wise master builder, the Apostle Paul said, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Apostles are indeed the stewards of the mysteries of God. Being a steward of the mysteries of God is one of the ways apostles, along with prophets, serve the entire body of Christ. The Apostle Paul gave further definition of this stewardship of apostles in his letter to the Ephesian church, where he said, If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight 
into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Ephesians 3, 2 through 12. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and have no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. The apostolic anointing bears a first anointing. The apostolic function is first, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 28. The apostolic anointing is a tip of the spear anointing. It goes first and breaks through. It does not sit back and wait for things to happen on their own, but rather it initiates things. It penetrates new, unexplored territories. The apostolic anointing takes the lead, makes the first move, takes the first step, inaugurates, founds, establishes, introduces, preaches new previously not known, understood, or accepted truths, births new churches and ministries, motivates and launches new movements. In short, apostles possess a breakthrough anointing to make breakthroughs and penetrate previously impenetrable strongholds. Apostles go in first. They lead the way. Apostles, as well as prophets, are spiritual marines. They are the first to storm the beaches to establish a beachhead. They are the selfless and heroic first attack freedom fighters leading the charge 
in storming the beaches of Normandy on D-Day in World War II, metaphorically speaking. They are the young, God-fearing shepherd boys of the ilk of David, who with the might that comes through faith in God, killed their lions and bears. Says of the Goliaths who dare to stand in their path, attempting to defy and deter the purposes and plans of God, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. They are the Joshua's and Caleb's who see their God and the fruits and spoils of victory awaiting them in the promised land as far bigger and mightier than the illegal trespassers occupying the territory given them by God who must be vanquished and expelled. Apostles are first, not first in the sense of rank or lust and ambition for power, prestige, prominence, and preeminence over fellows. Nay, genuine apostles seek not such stations and statuses in the arenas of human affairs, but disdain such competitions, strivings, and aggrandizements of men. Rather, apostles are first in terms of being the first to take the lead, to penetrate and break through perceived barriers, boundaries, and limitations. They are forerunners, pioneers, trailblazers, pathfinders, explorers, pace-setters, innovators, catalysts. Apostles, very similarly to the prophet, possess, or perhaps more accurately, are possessed by a God-infused, pioneering spirit. Along with the prophets, they are the Daniel Boons of the church, forging Cumberland Gaps through the unexplored, thickly forested Blue Ridge territories, who are driven by an inward sense that someone must go first, explore and make the way, establish the trail and map out the land for others to follow in the paths they forge. Apostles break through by breaking out from the pack. They take the lead. They are the leaders of leaders. They are the Christopher Columbuses who are determined beyond all costs to defy the prevailing mindsets of the powerful and the intelligentsia to prove the world is not flat and that out there somewhere beyond the boundaries of human fear are lush new lands, rich in resources, waiting to be discovered in the new world. Apostles are sent deliverers. Apostles and prophets are the Moses and Aaron deliverers who are willing to go unto the mightiest of the mighty, the tyrannical pharaohs who rule with iron fists over God's people illegitimately, unjustly, and cruelly to declare, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go and lead an entire nation of a million and a half out of despair-ridden captivity into the deliverance and destiny ordained for them 
by God. Apostles are the sent ones who stand ready to go at the beck and call of God like the chief apostle of glory who when the decree went forth in heaven that the time had come for the inauguration of a new and living way upon the earth stood and said, In the scroll of the book it is written of me. Here am I. Send me. The Son of God came not to the earth as one who merely went on his own initiative and accord, but rather as the chief sent one to those he in like manner chose and commissioned or sent. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Likewise, God appointed, God anointed apostles, Go, not as ones who merely went, but as those who have been sent by God. Therein is their power, their authority, their effectiveness. They have been sent by God. This was the true answer to the Pharisees and Sadducees' questions as to by what authority Jesus did the things he did. He did it by the authority vested in him by his Father who called, commissioned, and sent him to earth as the arch ambassador of heaven. Apostles carry with them a boldness, a confidence, a bold confidence, or confident boldness that is sometimes mistaken by others for arrogance, which unfortunately it actually is in some self-proclaimed, self-sent apostles of whom there is no shortage in this last hour. That boldness of true apostles is founded upon their inward knowing that they have been sent by God. Apostles are sent ones. They have been commissioned by the highest authorities of the sovereignty of heaven to subdue and govern the territory to which they have been sent. Apostles and prophets are reformers fixated on bringing change, reformation, and restructuring, if needs be, by revolution, where the dynamic rivers of evolution have sputtered fizzled out, and turned into contaminated cesspools of inertia. They blazed the trail and forged the path for transition from one dimension to another. The apostolic anointing is a from darkness to light anointing. Listen to a familiar passage in John 9, 6-7. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Siloam means sent. The pool of Siloam is a type or prophetic symbol 
of apostolic ministry. Apostolic ministry is all about being sent. Jesus, the chief apostle, was sent. Jesus commissioned the apostles of the Lamb, saying, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Jesus was sent to open our spiritual eyes to the kingdom of God. Apostolic ministry, the apostolic anointing, is a pool of Siloam, or spiritual basins, in which God's people go and wash away the darkness of religiosity that blinds their eyes to the true purposes and plans of the kingdom of heaven and come back seeing. Apostolic ministry is about revelation, seeing what has always been so and always been there, but opening the eyes of the spiritually blind for them to be able to see it. God says in Isaiah 42, verses 18 and 19, Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or so deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is so blind as he that is at peace with me, or so blind as the servant of the Lord? Apostles reveal things during their era that in other generations were not made known unto the sons of men. There are certain things that the church will never see except they be revealed through the grace in which apostles minister. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. Verses 1 through 10. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me, according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. The anointing upon Jesus, in which he operated during his fleshly ministry, 
and which he has now relegated to the church, is an anointing that brings recovery of sight to the blind. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Elisha prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant to see in the spirit realm what he, Elisha, saw. And his servant, Gehazi, was not able to see. And his servant then saw the angelic armies of God encompassing them. Listen to 2 Kings 6, 17 and 18. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he, God, struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. This was also a type and shadow of apostolic ministry. For Elisha's anointing was a double portion anointing that he had received as the successor to Elijah the prophet. An apostolic anointing is prophetic anointing plus more. The Apostle Paul, who identified himself as an apostle in all but one of the Pauline epistles, was sent to open the eyes of the Gentiles and to turn them from darkness to light. This was his commission that he received from Jesus, who spoke these words, I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I am now sending you to open their eyes, in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power, dominion of Satan, to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. O oh God, send the reformers, the restorers, and the readiers. This must be the prayer of the betrothed bride, the church, in this last hour, given the mosaic God lays out in Scripture concerning the fivefold ministry model, it is impossible for the body of Christ to ever become that 
quote, mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, end quote, Ephesians 4.13, without the effectual function of all the fivefold ministry offices. For all five are required for, quote, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry to the building up of the body of Christ, end quote, Ephesians 4.12. After more than two plus millennia, the saints have yet to be fully equipped for the work of the ministry. And it is the saints who are supposed to be doing the ministry. And the body of Christ has yet to be fully built up or spiritually edified. The building process to this very hour remains uncompleted. A multitude of reasons could be cited to affirm that that is true. But the most convincing, compelling, and evident is that we are still here. The last trump has not sounded. Christ has not yet returned to claim the church as his eternal bride. And we have not yet been taken up into heaven with Christ. And as mentioned at the beginning of this article, Acts 3.21 instructs us that heaven must retain the Christ until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time, has been completed and fulfilled. So it is irrefutable that what the church now is, is not what the Lord intends for it to be. And it is for that reason that he has not yet returned to claim the church as his eternal bride. Thus, obviously, the need remains for the reformation, restoration, and preparation of God's people that will allow the glorious return of Christ. But it will not be God himself in person who actually brings about this reformation, restoration, and preparation. Rather, it will be the apostles and prophets functioning by the spirit of reformers, restorers, and readiers. But as someone has said, it is as if God does nothing except someone asks him in prayer. Ask, and you shall receive. Let us pray, body of Christ. Let us pray. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose.